Great. So welcome on today's uh, show. We have Tim Schmitz, who studied at the Sada and then went out to create Yodel, a very popular location-based communication app that's especially popular with students over here in Europe and beyond. So we'll learn about that. Tim, so exciting to have you today. Pleasure to be here and thanks for the invitation. Tim, tell us a bit, what was your personal story in the entrepreneurship domain? How, how did you come about being the co-founder of Yodel? Um, I guess it was a bit random. I mean, it wasn't like I had the biggest dream of founding something when I was in school. But um, yeah, I studied my bachelor in Germany, did my experience in banking and consulting like most business students. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, during my master when I was at Isada uh, and also in, in, in Australia, um, yeah, the, the question was a little bit obviously what I want to do after. And uh, I had already like, uh, let's say stronger ties to software development because my dad owns a software company and I had already coded for him quite uh, like some apps during my studies. And um, then, yeah, my, my friend who I met in my exchange semester during my bachelor, Alessio, who had founded uh, another app called Telem, uh, after he came back, back in the days, um, yeah, he approached me in my last year of my studies and he wanted to iterate it to something else. And uh, yeah, whether I would be willing to join and then, yeah, I had to decision whether I want to do now banking or consulting again, which I didn't, or join this app called Yodel with, uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple of beta users back at the time. And uh, I did join and we iterated together to what is Yodel today. And that was pretty much it. Was it a hard decision to go for this crazy project called Yodel when you have a, uh, no, degree from one of the best business schools over here in Europe, or everything set up to be like in the finance or be some big investment banker, kind of that's one track. And then here comes your friend and says, hey, let's build a social networking app, a location-based social networking app, but we're close to zero users. And so how did you think about making that jump? Um, so, I mean, obviously it wasn't like, of course it's this one or the other one, but um... Ultimately, I had decided for myself already previously in my life that uh, in the future, I will base most of my decisions uh, based on the people that I work with and the people that I will be surrounded with and not just uh, where there's the most money or most, uh, I don't know, status. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my, my dad also, he, let's say, enforced me in that decision because obviously he also found the company himself. And uh, I guess, yeah, then the decision was kind of clear for me. And um, obviously I, I think like it's the best time to do it just after your studies because um, well, when you already did banking for a while or you did consulting for a while, uh, the let's say step back is a lot more significant. If you're a student, you don't need a lot of money to survive, let's say. And then like a yearly salary of 25K uh, is okay because well, it's more than you had as a student, right? So <laughs> you don't really have to adjust your, your living situation. Whereas if you have uh, earned more than 100K and then you go back to something like that, obviously that's a, once you go with the taxi to the airport, like uh, I don't think you, you go back to taking the tram uh, and reduce your salary, right? So the, the step is uh, I think a lot easier than once you actually do start to study. So retrospect, I think it was a, good decision and also the right time for it. 
what gave you the confidence that Yodel could work, especially when you saw that Telem initially was struggling quite a bit? Um, I don't think I had very like the, the biggest confidence, let's say, uh, but I mean, ultimately what could go, like I was more asking myself the question, what could go wrong? I mean, if this go, goes wrong, then well, I look for another job or I do something else, right? Because there's, there's literally zero risk after you, you finish your studies uh, because well, all of us, we're not going to be unemployed, right? So um, the, yeah, it was more like I didn't see any risk, but obviously a potential upside. And um, that's why, uh, yeah, I, I, I went for it. Did, did you uh, thought about like, hey, let's try it out for a year? Or is it certain milestones when you talked about that, that you wanted to hit in a certain time frame or so? We said, hey, we want to test out this. And if this works, then we, then we kind of take it to the next level. Or was it just like, hey, let's see and let's go? So I don't really like plan too long in these terms, right? So I usually plan for the next three months. Uh, because everything after that is uh, <laughs> is usually not planable anyways. So um, I didn't really have specific milestones, but obviously like after I joined, we launched it, we iterated, we then we saw first communities actually popping up that did work, uh, which obviously gives you like a product validation that it was more about scaling that. And then we actually managed to scale that. So like the next step always happened naturally. And like, I did feel like we progress or I do feel like we progress. Um, I didn't have clear milestones, like I want to in one year, I want to be there in six months, I want to be there. But uh, let's say naturally, definitely, obviously, if, uh, if it would have felt like we're not progressing, then obviously, at some point, you probably I would have probably taken a, a different decision. But uh, I, that question never was posed to myself, because so far, we've always been able to progress in the right direction, let's say. Uh -huh. For people that think about launching, let's say, social networks or location-based networks, especially in the consumer space where they need size as well, what would you think is a good heuristics to think about the minimal viable product or the first thing kind of to launch? What would they need early on? Mm, so ultimately, what you look at, obviously, always in uh, especially consumer apps uh, and any, any product, uh, but consumer apps, obviously, this is quite vital to even reach a critical mass is uh, retention so basically uh, if a person downloads the app how many people are going to use it within the next one three seven thirty one hundred eighty days and uh, or how many percentage of these that register right because obviously if your retention is one percent after day 30 well that means you just lost 99 percent of your users and then obviously it's hard to create a critical mass uh, because these this critical mass is uh, mass is always what you need in, in consumer products um, whereas if it's like north of 20%, uh, which is actually a very good value, um, then, well, there is, a, there is a sign. And usually, like, the one thing is what users say, and then the other thing is what users do. So Telem that was launched in the US back in the days, um, there were, like, many, let's say, extrinsic motivations that Alessio back then had tried to make people download this app, right? So get your fraternity on board and you get a free PlayStation, et cetera. And uh, everybody was saying, well, this app is great. Everybody loves it. But then, you know, in the stats, you could see that after day three, nobody's using this app anymore. And then obviously you can put in as many downloads as you want. This is not going to work. And then you could also see that uh, only by these externalities, let's say, foster downloads, you know, they're like just people, they didn't continue to use it. 
And uh, yeah, so the one thing is what people obviously say and also tell them, everybody said, this is great. I mean, obviously it was launched in California. Everybody says everything is great there. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, then, yeah, in the stats, you could really see that like uh, after day three, this app wasn't being used. And then obviously that's the that's product market fit, right? Then that means that there is no product market fit. What you're looking for is an asymptote with like good retention. And uh, the first app wasn't like that. Uh, and when we then launched Yodel in Aachen, it was the first community we had like the craziest retention or also our investors had ever seen, right? So then at some point you might not have many users, but you do have a cohort of users that stick around for a very long time. And then obviously you know that there is something and then the next step would be finding out what this something is, whether it's the hypothesis you had at the beginning or whether it might be something completely different. But uh, once you have that, that, that means you have product market fit. And then it's just a question of how to scale that to more users. Mm -hmm. And they're very interesting no? and to share metrics as well. You said 20% would be very high. What would be like uh, metrics that are okay-ish then also where you think there could be something there? Is it somebody has 5% 30-day retention, so users staying around for 30 days? Is that something to, to work with? Is that normal? So the average in the app store is like between one and 3%, I think, day 30 retention. Like I think that's the average Android app. Um, and the rest, I mean, it depends on which app you're talking about, right? So consumer social usually is uh, optimized. I mean, what you're trying to find also is your usage interval, right? So if you have your usage interval like social, which should be daily, like you should be checking Instagram daily, you should be checking WhatsApp daily, you should be checking Yodel daily. Uh, then obviously you optimize for daily retention. But for example, for Airbnb, it doesn't make sense to look at day 30 retention because, uh, well, uh, they don't optimize for that, right? So they are happy if you come once a month and do a booking, but not if you're there specifically on day 30. So for consumers, so it depends on the industry. Uh, for consumer social, like uh, everything north of 20% is great. We started at the very beginning with like, north of 40 percent <laughs> oh, uh, so like really really high which is like uh, so the most social apps will be between 20 and 30 percent uh, but uh yeah and that's for a really well working app and you said many apps that the app store that have been around for years and optimizing so they still stick around maybe two three percent or so uh, or have retention rates of two, two i mean social apps will not survive with these retention apps because again like we do have to have critical mass and then if you have just two to three percent uh, retention, then you're not going to gain that. Obviously for, uh, let's say, diamond selling app, two to three percent day 30 retention, I guess is quite good because it <laughs> probably means that uh, two to three percent are going to buy your diamonds and you make a lot of money. Uh, but again, consumer social is a mass market product. And uh, that's why also here the retention rates are different, right? So it, it, it depends on your product, mm -hmm. right? So Airbnb will probably more optimize towards, I don't know, month three retention instead of day 30. And mm. uh, Spotify maybe just towards week 12 because uh, they might not be optimizing on a daily use case and not on a monthly, but a weekly one, right? So there's like, it depends on the product usage interval. It depends on the product, but yeah, consumer social, like north of 20% is usually the goal. Mm -hmm. Super exciting and I think extremely helpful as well. Let's assume that no people see that happening. And actually, let's say around about 20% of, of users seem to be active after 30 days. Um, how much more can you lose than over, let's say, uh, after six months, 12 months or so? Is it uh, how far can this asymptote basically go down? Then would you say is it 
at that point, will you after 30 days lose another 50% or so? What are some benchmark figures there? Like the long-term mm. kind of retention? I think it's hard to say because like uh, there's actually usually no public data about that, just approximations. So ultimately it doesn't really like, what is important is that there's an asymptote, right? Because if there's an asymptote, that means if it's flat, that this, what is flat, like this is your product market fit. This is your, let's say addressable market if you want, right? Because these yeah. people, they will stick around. And then percentage of people know exactly. Yeah, and uh, this might be different, right? So for us, it flattens out. I don't even know, like, but I've like, you lose 80 percent of the users that you lose, you lose within the first two three days, right? So like, if your day one retention will already be at like I don't know sixty seventy percent maybe. Uh, so you see that like at the beginning you lose a lot and then like it flattens out and then these people they will stick around. So then after that you don't really lose any more of the asymptote is flat. Um, and yeah, again, this is like different for different products. Um, but like, uh, yeah, for us after, the, I think after 30 days, like it's already almost pretty much flat. So, um, and I think that's probably for most products. I, I, I don't have enough insights to, mm -hmm. to say that, but yeah, it's an asymptote that, which means that over time you lose less and less people. And at best case it's flat and the really great products. It even goes up again. <laughs> uh, what, what makes we, it go up again? The famous the 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 retention curve that starts to smile, no, form the smile out there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, best use case maybe. Uh, I I mean like ultimately that means network effects, right? You install this app and then you think, oh, I don't need it, but then all your friends start using it, and they because they all use it, you think, oh, now I also have to use it, and uh, people will. Uh, people will start to use it again. So for me, maybe Snapchat was like that at the beginning. Uh, you know, you install Snapchat, you think, uh, oh, this is, uh, I don't need this. I already have like the other, the, all these other apps. And then over time, like, you know, you don't use it, but then slowly but steadily more and more friends are using it. And because they send you snaps, it makes you, your activity go up actually. So that's network effects, which are then the ultimately strongest ones. Then came Instagram, so all this I think didn't work out back then. Uh, but uh, yeah, ultimately these are the uh, the retentions that, like, if you have those, then you have a great product. <laughs> mm -hmm. So one could think as well. Well, if I lose then these eighty percent of people, wouldn't I then just be way more targeted in my user acquisition and just try to understand who are, let's say, the twenty percent that stick around that are really my core users and they just go for those and hence as well get better percentage-wise retention metrics over time? Just I mean, the, you, your, your first goal would be to, uh, to rather invest in product development, right? So the product development, which is what are these 20% of the people that stick around doing in the first one, two, three, four, five sessions that the other 80% are not doing and can we lift the asymptote, right? So can this asymptote go up from 20 to 30%? And then, for example, I mean, the I don't know if it's true, but uh, like the most commonly used example there is usually Facebook. They found out that the people that stick around, they uh, were all like they, they made like a, a benchmark, like, a, yeah, uh, like a proxy. So basically they found out that these people that stick around, if you have like uh, if you have had like 10 friends in the first seven days of your usage, like your likelihood of churning is pretty much zero. Uh, so these people that sticked around after 30 days, they had done that, the other one not. Probably you could have also done three in one day or five in two, I don't know, just some kind of proxy. Um, then they optimize everything toward that 
in the first one, two, three, four, five sessions of a user. So they made it more prominent to add people. They made a better algorithm to suggest better people to you that you add, et cetera. And with that, they lifted the retention, right? So that's usually what you try to do with product development. And in your acquisition, well, yes, also, obviously, you're trying to always optimize not for a download, because if I just make everybody download this app, it doesn't mean that they will continue to use it over time. But by now, all these, let's say, attribution trackers, like what you optimize for is uh, not a user who downloads your app, but a user who uses your app after 30 days or who uses your app after seven days. Obviously, this comes with some disadvantages, because only after 30 days, you know whether this was successful. <laughs> so usually, you try to find for early signs in the funnel, let's say if you do five comments on your first day and the likelihood that these people will stay after 30 days, then you will probably rather optimize for people that in their first session do five comments because you know they are probably going to stick around and you have earlier data points in order to, let's say, say whether this acquisition was successful or not. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. With how many people were you programming the app? Then uh, uh, is there like uh, some advice or that? Do you need like, is it okay to try to start it with two, three kind of developers would you need more i mean at the beginning obviously like uh you should develop the mvp <laughs> so the minimum so i think you should not hire too many engineers but like really keep it to the basics and see whether the basics works and then you don't all the need these you don't need all these crazy features that you're thinking about right now right probably you just need one feature that works and make this the core of your app and then after that you can optimize with all these great features uh, but yeah, I mean, we started with, uh, yeah, pretty much, I mean, one Android, one iOS, one backend, I guess, is what you need nowadays. Now we are, all, again, like mobile only um, with high usage. So for us, native development made sense. By now, there's actually a couple of frameworks with which you can do like cross-platform. So you might actually only need one developer. But yeah, I mean, at the beginning, obviously, it's important to start simple, test the hypothesis you have, and uh really make sure that you find what's the core of the value proposition you have and figure out whether that works and if that works then you can still iterate and like make the, all this nicer uh but i think at the beginning if you invest too much then you lose a lot of money without even validating whether this is going to work or not mm -hmm. super exciting how long did it take you to actually launch it then to 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 put that first version out there the first version so the first version was i mean tell them back in the days when i wasn't even there um and uh i don't have exact info how long this took but then like basically we developed yodel out of that which was a bit of a problem also technical wise because we had to like the first app imagine that. <laughs> like uh, you know it wasn't at all thoughtful location it was more like for friends friends graph uh let's say authentic communication among friends and then obviously if you try to pull over like a location-based communication over it then this becomes a mess so we had to refactor <laughs> like afterwards quite sometimes but like ultimately at the beginning it was very hacky and then yeah i think the decision to iterate this to yodel and how this should look like was maybe like yeah maybe like three months something around okay. that the iteration right mm -hmm. but uh sometimes it's actually easier to build it from ground up so <laughs> i don't think uh, it's actually uh yeah i mean ultimately uh mvps right so you should not uh invest too much time because if you invest too much time then the likelihood of this going wrong or like your your costs let's say that you invest in the wrong uh, features might be a lot bigger rather than developing the first version and then testing it out with users and see mm -hmm. now you said hey we have this scrappy version we have this team working on uh, that can optimize it then further how did you launch it 
Um, so basically, because like the previous app had already burned quite some money, let's let's say again there were like so many acquisition thoughts, right? So from uh, get your your fraternity or PlayStation if you be, have the most downloads of the campus to merchandise like uh, beach where I don't know what to uh, convincing the the taco uh guy on campus to do, to to make the tell them taco right to like obviously all these things they <laughs> they were quite expensive uh even flying to the us buying all this merch etc so basically we just didn't have any more money and then we were thinking okay uh, what can we do now well we have to launch in germany because we can't fly back to the us again and then how can we launch well the only thing that we can actually afford is flyers <laughs> And then we just printed some flyers, distributed them in the campus, and then figured out that this is actually a very valid channel uh, for us, right? So again, here, I think everybody needs to have their own strategy. There is the mobile growth stack, which I like a lot, which is from the SoundCloud people uh, that shows you all channels through which you can grow a mobile app. And our channel wasn't actually on there. <laughs> the, the, the flyers, flyers the flyers uh, to students. Yeah. I don't think any app has ever grown with flyers, but for us, it was very effective because we could launch our target demographic, like on the ground, in the right spot, which is in the lecture, in the morning when they were trying to procrastinate, right? And then like downloading an app because they had Wi-Fi, because they are in the university, right? So we, we could uh, target them at just the right spot. Uh, so for us, it worked, but probably for most app, it won't. <laughs> uh, so I think it's important to just have a strategy around that. And for us, it, I, I guess it was a bit lucky also because, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the only money we had left was basically for, we, that we could afford was basically flyers. But then over time, we actually realized this actually works very well and we can even optimize it uh, quite heavily and uh, ultimately the last time nowadays we have done marketing was distributing flyers in 2016 <laughs> and uh, this yeah definitely was very effective for us were you strategic about like which type of studies which gender or something to focus on which university even to choose or um, I mean obviously a bit at the beginning but then we definitely like once we realized oh this works uh, we definitely got very very let's say uh tactical about it right so where exactly do we like we had like real-time charts where we could really see when we distribute flyers where how many downloads arise we uh the content within the first two three days we pushed content in the communities right and we took the content that was shared a lot that was upvoted a lot in other communities we localized that right so if there was this post <laughs> Uh, I I just went to <laughs> club and then <laughs> club. We just localized to every city uh, because we realized that people this was creating a lot of engagement. Um, there was a lot of uh, yeah. I mean, we saw that when girls are there, guys are usually not too far. <laughs> so like girly content usually worked very well. Then we the promoter who put the flyers he went in the lessons uh, in the in the classes and then yodeled about these classes and then put like flyers all over because then the first person would download see content about the, just that exact same lecture where that person was sitting in left right and then usually after these lectures we had like 80 percent of the people there as new users um and many of these things it was very important to always be because we're also community-based to uh rather focus penetrate like a small community very heavily rather than a bigger community to a lower extent so when we had 80% of the 
business first year business students let's say it would grow organically to the second year business students to the first year sociology students etc but once we had five percent of the whole university it was like the organic growth was less because we didn't have as much of a penetration so definitely we got very uh, let's say sophisticated about it and have uh, up until today quite some tricks of uh, how, how we did it but um yeah, ultimately, I think this is like, I mean, every app will grow differently, right? So this approach will probably not work for Airbnb or something like that. I don't know. Mm. But there are various exciting ventures that I know that are focused on universities. And so I, so I think this is extremely helpful for people who want to make it real in the university space and start apps there. I think there's yeah, still a lot that needs to be built. Do you want to tell us a bit where you currently stand in terms of, so you've building building Yodel out you had a lot of success actually in this space now tell us a bit what you uh, where you currently stands so um uh, what we did was let's say after we launched we launched a couple of more countries because we figured oh this works then we saw first countries which like were let's say flattening out right so um that were growing 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 and then at some point like stalling at like good levels but still obviously we what what our mission was always to uh Oh, what means always like uh, what happened after we had this like uh, like we saw first countries that were stabilizing on like higher levels. What we did was we went uh, back to the let's say to the to the engine room to find out exactly what was happening, what the dynamics. Because at the beginning, when you grow and it does grow, sometimes you don't even know why it's growing, right? So it's important to actually understand that. So we digged very deep into uh, what our product actually should be all about, what's the core value, et cetera. Because at the beginning, we had troubles to understand even why is this growing now? Where is the other app wasn't growing? And where is Telegram was still anonymous communication with your friends, let's say. The first MVP Yodel was then anonymous uh, communication with people nearby. And then we really digged into the product because like media and investors, they were saying, oh, you're a joke platform because there was a lot of funny content. But we were always saying, yeah, there's a lot of jokes, but it's not only that. There's a couple of things different, but we couldn't really explain it. And then we dig very deeply into the data and we saw that the things that correlate basically mostly with retention was events that we weren't even triggering before. <laughs> so it's basically clicking on a post to scroll through the end actively communicate within a conversation which makes it very different compared to an app where you just scroll and upload 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 so let's say this would be more of a joke platform where it's clicking on a post and then reading through the whole conversation we really realized that this was by far the most used uh, interaction it was 90 percent compared to the voting just 50 percent and also we figured that this correlates mostly with retention so you could really interpret the difference compared to like hey you're a joke platform to hey, you're a platform for communication or conversations with people nearby. And yes, there might also be funny things, but also definitely other things. And um, then we, uh, yeah, digged quite deep, understood a lot more about the product, understood how we grew, why we grew, uh, why at some point we stopped growing, went back to the uh, products. Uh, let's say we iterated it quite heavily, made some features, some quite some bold bets. So back in the days, then question, basically the question was, should we now become a global app for students or should we become what we actually wanted to do, which is solving local communication for everyone, right? Because we also believe my grandma should use this app to know what's around. Um, and this was always our goal, which is definitely more complicated, but also more rewarding. 
Um, we iterated the product quite heavily, which is basically reiterating the product market fit, right? So it like once you have product market fit, it doesn't mean you have it forever, but you obviously need to constantly adjust it. Um, and yeah, started launching new markets with the iterated product. And now we actually see uh, first countries uh, where we grow uh, like super, super deep, um, like 35% of all 18 to 35 year olds using Yodel in first markets. Um, oh, that's impressive. 35% of the population. Huh? <laughs> in a certain well, age uh, 18, yeah, so it's roughly like 7% of the population in first markets. Yeah. So there we really... Uh, impressive, yeah. We, we really <laughs> saw what we can actually achieve. And um, yeah, in the meantime, obviously, you have to make sure that you don't die. So we had to obviously also invest quite some time on monetization, which we do now quite successfully. And now basically our plan is to replicate what we do in these markets where we iterated the product correctly uh, in all our existing markets. And then together with the monetization engine that we have built, uh, take the next step in order of, in order, uh, like in regards to growth. Mm -hmm. Super exciting. When you talked about as well, learning and trying to figure out why certain effects happen. I know we, uh, here we learned a lot about retention. What would you, uh, which advice would you give founders? What's the best way to learn? We heard uh, looking at data correlation analysis between core metrics as well, making sure that you have the core metrics actually uh, tracked. And, and, um, and so other suggestions that are really important early on to find out why, why are users doing something in the consumer app space? I mean, it's a variety of things. It's not only data, but obviously I always think that the data is the truth and then everything else you can interpret around it. But I mean, talking to many users, right? And also you can you can make user interviews quantifiable, right? So there's like frameworks. Um, if you just, um, or different surveys, right? Uh, what do you think is the core value of this? Like Sean Ellis framework is, for example, one of this. Um, but obviously like speaking to a lot of users, um, also like a huge, like large part is also product gut feeling. Um, so definitely we also did make some quite bold bets where our intuition was saying, look, this is what has to happen. And we had singular data points that pointed us towards this direction or that direction or that direction, but it wasn't, it's not always like, oh, that's the solution, this is in the data, this is the route, but sometimes like it's not as clear because you also never know whether it's the cause or correlation, right? So there's a few of these topics that are not so simple. So there's F definitely also the third part is a big chunk of um, product gut feeling and product intuition, um, because definitely there would, could have been like different solutions if you look at the data. But uh, ultimately, it also comes down to your own experience and uh, what you believe must happen. Um, so yeah, I guess looking at the data, speaking to a lot of users, and last but not least, uh, product intuition. Mm -hmm. How many users, for example, just to give some benchmark figures there, were you talking to then? Was it that you said per week, I want to talk at least to five to 10 users or something like that? Or was it just like, uh, we have some some people dedicated to that. I mean, speaking to users is obviously the one thing. And um, yeah, I mean, this doesn't scale so well. So obviously you have to do it often, but uh, <laughs> you can also like make this uh, more, let's say, uh, yeah, in different ways, let's say, right? So there's, for example, on Yodel, if you post something with hashtag feedback, 
it goes into a Slack channel with a bot. So every UBC, everything, single post that uh, has a hashtag feedback. Uh, we obviously uh, do, we do regular AMAs where we, uh, let's say, talk with the community about it. We do, uh, um, what else? Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of service. I mean, service is like, let's say the one, something that you can scale a bit, a little bit better, get more insights, but then uh, like, it doesn't take as much time because obviously you can talk to hundred users every single week. Um, so I think it's a combination of it. And I, I don't think there's like this one number that you have to talk mm. to, but I, I, I just think in general, being close to the users, whether this is through automated feedback messages uh, or direct conversations, et cetera, I think uh, that's what everybody should figure out for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fascinating to see you know, how being really close to the users, uh, you build this up, this really high retention metrics now in certain demographics. What's what's next for Yodo? What are you most excited about? I mean, ultimately, we've now seen uh, that Yodo can be a mass market product uh, in markets if we launch it correctly with the right features. And uh, our next step is now uh, to replicate that in uh, even more markets, uh, also in some of the existing markets where we are active um, and we have users and we have good amount of users but we don't see the penetration levels of these first markets now that we launched with these uh, product iterations. And our step right now is basically reproducing that in all our markets because then we would be already fucking huge. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, focus on also monetization because ultimately it's always nicer if you also make some money and don't just burn through it. And uh, yeah, it just makes you less dependent on investors. So this loop, let's say is the one that we're trying to create now. So let's say make money and then invest that money in growth with which you then invest, uh, make more money again, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, so far we are not, let's say profitable. So we are not at the stage yet that we would invest uh, the, the money that we actually earn into, uh, into our growth. It's more like making sure that we burn through less money. <laughs> But uh, yeah, ultimately the elephant in the room is make sure to replicate that growth that we've seen in first countries. What for you personally is the most exciting? What do you enjoy most? Mm, you mean what I enjoy most working on? Working at Yodel now. How many years have you been there now? Growing, building and growing Yodel? Almost like six, yeah. <laughs> six years in, so what do you enjoy most? <laughs> I mean, I I enjoy the variety definitely. So I mean, I, there's nothing I haven't been doing at Yodel. <laughs> so at the beginning, I focused mostly on uh, growth, uh, then on fundraising, then I built up the moderation system, community, uh, product, tech, pretty much everything. Uh, by now, I'm most excited about uh, product, I guess. So, but hands-on, like developing the product, making the right, like making feature decisions, building these features, building them nicely, iterating on them, et cetera. Uh, one part within that I'm excited about is in-app purchases. I, uh, we've, we've recently started also with, uh, let's say, like making features with like in-app purchases. And it's a huge market, more and more people do it. Uh, in Germany, it's still a little bit, uh, let's say, oh, you just paid 99 cents for this. Whereas in other countries, they just like spend, spend, spend there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's an exciting trend uh, because uh, also most platforms, they move away from an ad-based monetization model, which is value decreasing, right? Because every time I show you an ad, I could as well just show you a good post right now to value enhancing features. 
So basically features that make you money and that increase the engagement on the platform. And usually most of the in-app purchases are like that. And uh, I think that's a phenomenon what we see on quite some like first platforms are adopting it. We're still not the first, but also still in the first batch of let's say platforms that are adopting it. And I think it's exciting because it's one of the, let's say huge, huge market opportunities that is growing so much, especially now with the lockdown time, lockdown, lockdown time where people are spending even like a lot, lot more in, in, in different apps. And by now people do spend in apps, right? So back in the days, if you had bought an app for 99 cents, everybody thought you would be crazy, but now it becomes more and more normal, even if in Germany it's not so normal yet, but I think we're getting there. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It shows us well no new opportunities for people thinking, what should I do here? We see the market, really the online market are quickly evolving and in all this monetization space and in app space, I'm sure as well, many new tools and so cetera are needed and new apps can be built. Any final advice for people who are thinking about making it real? Um, final advice. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I already said quite some things, but uh, for me, I can only speak for myself. Uh, I think the situation like after the studies was just very good because again, you don't need this 200K salary in your first year after studies. <laughs> you could as well just continue to live like a student and just do some fun things. Um, so I think that's important. Um, I don't think, yeah, I, I feel sometimes like, uh, People are being pushed a little bit in that direction and now it's into found something or whatever like you know it obviously has its perks but it also like has the draw some drawbacks right so uh <laughs> obviously like the compensation or like at least cash compensation at the beginning usually is rather low right so make sure that you actually want to do what you're doing there but also like stress levels are obviously higher than in a general uh in a general let's say job you know there is the ups that you always hear about in the media, but there's also quite some downs, right? And uh, you definitely have to be resilient to to stand through that. And it might not be for everyone, but uh, yeah, just look at this situation. Not only uh, like you hear a lot from the perks and yeah, founding now it's in and whatever, but yeah, I don't think uh, maybe it's not for everyone. That's okay, right? Uh, just find your decision-making framework um that suits you and if that decision making framework tells you well you should work in a bank then that's just as good um but uh yeah final advice just make sure that the decision you take like they are uh coming from you and your own preferences and not from like what others tell you um and if that's founding that's good obviously it has huge perks uh, you can build the company you want to, you have a lot of flexibility, freedom, you do not really a job. Like I always say, I'm just hanging out with friends and doing this cool project. Uh, so it's not like you, you actually feel like this is a job. Um, so all of these are obviously huge perks, but then there's many things that you don't hear about. So sometimes things go to shit and <laughs> uh, yeah, you also have to go through these times and then make sure that your desire to do all this is actually big enough to go through these times as well. Mm -hmm. Do you have any final, final advice for people that go through dark times when they feel like, oh my God, no, uh, it's all about retention. Now I don't see that retention kicking in and you're in this emotional state, almost like of desperation or so. I mean, what, what's very important is that everybody who's trying to build a product 
the likelihood, the first idea you have, you build this product and you have great retention goes towards zero. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't think well, yeah. this ever happens. I mean, maybe some, but uh, then this is definitely an outlier. Mm. Mostly you launch it, you realize, oh, this doesn't work. And then it's about, uh, yeah, I mean, the iterations and finding what works, right? So our company was going through the same. So this was launched and after day three, nobody was using this, right? And then uh, um, it's important to, let's say, still have this, like what you're actually trying to solve and uh, like be bold about it and do some iterations and be analytical about it, right? So why are people using this app? Why are people not using this app? What am I, was my hypothesis towards it? And then slowly but steadily, let's say, iterate towards that. And this can take two, three, four iterations, right? And um, what usually won't work is you have this great product idea, you develop this product and oh, it works. <laughs> so there's gonna be two, three iterations. And uh, it's important that uh, you have that in mind, like there's no free money, right? So if there's this great idea and you just develop it and that's it, uh, probably somebody would have done it. But it's really about being smart of finding that. And that process is not a three months I develop an app. It's, it's a long process. And that's definitely what you have to buy into once you actually want to found a company or found a, or build a, build a product. Tim, thank you so much for all this wonderful, extremely helpful advice and all the best going forward for Yodel. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Thanks for the invitation. And yeah, I hope maybe sometime somebody found value in some of the words. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye.